It's not all the folks. It's not all over. I, I, we're singing It Is Well My Soul. And David consulted with me and said, you know, which song? I said, I think go with It Is Well My Soul. And so we're singing it, you know, and then it just ended. And so sitting there, I said to myself, you can't do that. Did you notice we didn't sing the chorus, didn't you? And so I came out and said, David, you can't do that. He goes, sure I can. Just did. I said, did you sense the anticipation? I mean, we're, we're waiting to explode in, it is well, and it didn't come. And that's it. You know, there should be great anticipation toward the end of something. Amen? Now, here's the deal. I thought it would be so cool, you know, to think about endings of movies to introduce the sermon today, about how, how important the ending is. And so I started thinking and pondering, and I came across this dilemma. Okay? I found out that most of the endings I remember are chick flicks. And being a dude, that is not cool. That is not cool. You know, I thought about Sleepless in Seattle, you know, they meet on top of the Empire State Building, and they lock eyes there, you know, and, and you're Annie and you're Howard, and, 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 you know, and he goes to her, you know, we should go, and you're going, oh, no, don't leave her there. And he reaches out and takes her hand, and they get on the elevator together, and, oh, it's a wonderful ending. You know, you kind of, but that's not cool for dudes, you know? And so, so I'm going, what am I going to do here? And then I thought, well, at least I do remember the ending of Braveheart. But then I thought, well, gee, that's such a Debbie Downer. You know, they stretch him out on a thing. I'm just bowing. You know, they don't show that part. But you see him, his face going, ah, ah, And finally, you, you hear, you know, Chris Wallace, you know, uh, uh, Chris Wallace. <laughs> the Wallace dude going, going, freedom! But you know, like he's getting his guts cut out. So I said, well, that wouldn't be a good one either. You know, that's really not very encouraging. And then I said, well, I know what I'll do. I'll look up on the Internet great movies with great endings. You know, Google and so here it comes. Top 20 movies with great endings for the 21st century. I said, here we go, buddy. I've got this one down. I'm going to be able to really impress these people with my knowledge of movies. I went down charting number 20, 19. I think I knew one of them. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So I said, we'll just forget that. We'll go 20, no, top movie endings of all time. Yeah, well, I knew about two of them. One was Casablanca. So I, I didn't, you know, I said, well, what are we going to do with this? Well, I did realize I had an ace in the hole. And again, unfortunately, for a bulk of you, it's not going to mean a thing. But, but one of the movies that's just still talked about that I recently, I recently mentioned in the message, as a matter of fact, the ending of it was this Infinity War. Now, I know if you're not a superhero person and you don't go see Marvel movies, that means nothing to you. But here's what you need to know. It did not end like people expected. I mean, all, you know, the superheroes always win. They always win in the end, you know. They have this great battle, good against evil, and the good guys always win. And in this movie, The Infinity War, uh, the bad guy wins. Now, there's no spoilers because it's been out a long time. Fixing come out on DVD, I think, like August the 15th or something. So, so the, 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 the anti-climatic ending was like, what? You know, and here's what's really, you know what's really weird? It had almost like a rapture ending. I mean, they had to read the Bible to get this ending. You know, it ends with people, you know, like disappearing, just sort of fading into a little bit of ash. You know, cars were slamming into, into curbs and planes were crashing. And I'm going, man, this is like the rapture. So I'm not going, oh, but then it was over. And, and the superheroes lose. 
And I'm going, oh my goodness. I, I immediately, you can ask Dave Hicks, I immediately and text Dave Hicks. He hadn't seen it yet. I said, we need to talk. I'm in conflict. You know? And so we agreed that we we're going to go see the movie again. We never made that. But, but I said, explain this to me. And you know that's really what you want with an, an ending? You want that anticipation that the end is not the end? Now, everyone knows. Listen, everybody knows. We don't know how, but in the next Marvel movie, somehow all those superheroes, or most of them, are coming back. And that's the way it is with God. We see this world today, and it's all messed up, and we know an end is coming. But the cool part is, that's not all, folks. Because even after the end, there's more and so much more. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to spend our time talking about the end times. Now, I will tell you this. I'll tell you this. The, the funny part was, and again, I've been a pastor for 35 years. I've talked a lot about the end times. I am nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near an expert of eschatology to study the end times. I, I, I'm not. I'm just not. Uh, but, but it's funny because I'm, go, I'm reading this, this, uh, this study material, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, well, what about this and what about that? And, what? and I found out just how little I know. But here's the cool part. The things we're going to talk about are things today that most theologians agree on. The question is the timing. When does all this play out? So, so we don't know that, to be honest with you. We'll know one day when we get to heaven or when we experience it. Uh, we'll figure out all the timing things out. But what we're going to talk about today is, one, three things you need to know before you go. Three things you need to know before you go. And then we want to talk about the, the um, greatest question we as believers should be asking ourselves. And then we're going to talk about, well, what happens after that? And there's a judgment for believers. And then, if we have time, we'll hit the end, and that's the unbeliever's worst nightmare. Okay, so that's kind of where we want to go today. So, so what are the three things you need to know before you go? Well, the first one is this. No one, say that with me. Yeah, yeah. No one knows, okay, the day or time. No one knows when the end is going to come. Once again, Google's my friend. In fact, we were looking for something, weren't we? And Brent said, aren't you glad we got Google? I mean, Google's amazing, you know? So I, I decided to text, you know, so latest prophecies are dates that the world will come to an end. And there were pages and pages and pages of people even a long time ago and more recently, you've seen them, you've seen them, more recently that predict a date. This is when the end is going to come. And they picked this arbitrary date somewhere. It wasn't too long ago, what, last year sometime? Somebody said, what do you think about Monday? I said, it comes after Sunday. Oh, no, no, no. The person predicted that this was going to happen. I go, gee, I haven't heard that. I don't know. I guess we'll find out Tuesday if it's true or not. I don't know. Uh, you know? But, but we don't know. But anyway, so there's all these predictions about the end times. I remember when the blood moons came. Oh, my goodness. That was definitely going to be the end, you know, the, the beginning of the end. And it is the beginning of the end. But it had nothing to do with the blood moons, I don't think. I don't think. But anyway, so, so we don't know when. You just need to mark that down. Whenever you see a preacher stand up or a person stand up and say, this is the date and this is the time. They don't know. Because Jesus said we won't know. Okay? So mark that one down. Mark that one down. I don't care who writes the book. I don't care whose name's on the author page. The King of Kings said we don't know. Okay? In fact, I'm going to show you this moment. The King of Kings said he don't know. Okay? So we don't know. So 
No one knows the time. Our scripture this morning, our first scripture, is Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 37. And this is the, uh, the Christian Standard Bible version of that. Is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking about the end times. He says this. But concerning that day, when he will come back, concerning that day um, and hour, here it is, no one knows. Just write it down. No one knows. And he goes on and says this, um, not even the angels of heaven. So I think you'd agree with me today that, that if, if someone's going to be in the know, it'd be like these guys who hang around God's throne all the time. Hey, you know, God wants anyone to come. And Jesus says, even the angels don't know. But then he says something that's really unusual. He says, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son. In other words, he's saying, even I don't know. Even I don't know. Okay? And I said, now, what are we going to do with that? Well, I'm going to give you two possibilities, and they're just possibilities. One is this. Of course, Jesus is speaking this in his earthly body. And so we could say that he, several times, he's laid, he obviously laid down a lot of his powers when he took on human form. He did not cease being God. Don't ever think that. He did not. Okay, but he laid aside much of his, his of heavenly powers, and so he may have laid aside the knowledge of that at, at this point. Or, or it's just one of those mysteries of the Trinity. You know, the, the Trinity is one of those mysteriously wonderful things, and this might be one of those mysteries of the Trinity. How can the how can the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all be God, and yet the Son not know? It's one of those mysteries of the Trinity. But the bottom line is, he said, I don't know. I don't know. He said, in fact, the only one who knows is the Father only. Only the Father knows when he will turn to the Son and say, Son, go get the kids. Son, go get the kids. That's a knowledge that's only given to God. So I promise you, again, you name the religious leader, they don't know. They don't know. I don't care how much you pray, how much you read the Bible, how much you study. They don't know because no one knows but the Father. Then he goes on and says this. He gives us like a, a teaser. You know, that's one thing I love too, by the way. I love at these Marvel movies, if you, if you stay during the credits, okay? If you stay during the credits, about, about halfway through the credits, they give you a teaser for the next movie. And then if you're really brave and you stay to the very end where it says no animals were harmed in this movie and Joe drove the dump truck uh, for so-and-so, you know, those guys, when you wait to the very, very end, it gives you another teaser. Gives you another teaser at the end. Well, Jesus kind of gives us a teaser. Here's what he says. For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be with the coming of the Son of Man. So he gives us this little teaser. Now, now this doesn't mean that somewhere out in a vacant lot near you, a guy with a white beard is going to be building a boat. That's not what he means at all. Are y'all going to laugh at any of these funnies I'm saying? I am working hard up here. Y'all look like you had a rough weekend. I was helping you out. Okay? So, so it does not mean that someone's going to be building a boat. What it means is this. In spite of the fact, in spite of the fact that there was a guy with a gray hair beard, and he was outside of town, and he was building a boat, and there was no water, okay? In spite of all that, people went right on, okay, with daily life. In fact, the scriptures talk about that they were... Marrying and giving in marriage up until the time that the flood came. In other words, they were so distracted, okay, that they didn't see evidence of what was about to happen. 
So as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. In other words, we'll live in a distracted world. Let me ask you a question. Do we live in a distracted world? Yeah, we do. Let me tell you something. There's a thing called distracted driving. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, you see people and they're doing things. You know, like they're texting on their phones. They're talking on their phones. They're eating their lunch. They're putting on makeup. Well, the girls are. Hopefully the guys are not, okay? Uh, heard a story of a guy who was drinking coffee, reading a paper, and eating a McDonald's McMuffin all at the same time, driving down the interstate, okay? And the deal is, it takes your mind and your eyes off what really matters, okay? Now, I need to tell you something. I'm not saying I never do distracted driving, but I need to tell you this. If I'm behind you at a parking, at a stoplight, and that light turns green, and your head is down, I'm going to assume you're not praying. And I'm going to toot my horn at you. I just need, I'll do it, I mean, I'll do it gently, Brent. I won't like that. Yeah, I won't do that. I'm going to be a, in fact, I, I had a situation yesterday where I was down by Best Buy, and this lady was just sitting there, and there was no stop sign. So I just gave her a little toot and said, hey, you know, there's no stop sign. Everybody's waiting on you to move. Just, just a reminder. Just a reminder. So, so if you're at stoplight or stop sign and light turns green and you are got your head bowed looking at your phone and I don't think you're not praying, don't be surprised if your pastor gives you a little toot just to motivate you. Just to motivate you, all right? So, so we have this thing called distracted driving, and that's how it's going to be in the days of Noah. People are going to have their eye off the ball. And trust me, we live in a world today where people have their eye off the ball. In America. In America. And around the world. Once again... Judy, I, I haven't talked with her much, haven't texted with her much, but she showed me a picture, and she showed me a picture of this, this big Hindu temple thing. I mean, it was huge, and it was beautiful. And across the road is a small Baptist church, you know? And, and this, this is in a land where there virtually are no churches anymore called England, United Kingdom. And there's virtually no churches anymore. They took their eye off the ball. And America's got to be careful that we don't continue to take our eye off the ball. So when's Jesus coming back? We don't know. We don't know. But we can be ready and should be ready. Okay? Now the second thing you need to know before you go is death is not the end for people. Death is not the end for people. So often we, we seem that we, well we don't, but the world seems to think that, that there's nothing after death, that, that we don't have a soul or a spirit. And when we die, we just sort of die, and they put us in a hole, and that's all, folks, okay? But the Bible's very clear that that is not true. And really, you know, most people, when they search their hearts, they understand that. They understand that there's something more. There's something more. Now, Jesus spoke about this also in John chapter 5 and verse 28 and 29. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Here's what he says. Do not marvel at this, the topic of the resurrection. Do not marvel at this, for an hour, or there's a time, there's a time is coming when all who are in the tomb will hear his voice. Now, what that means is this. Every person, how many? Once you get it, every person will experience a resurrection. You know, have you ever had that, you know, that kind of moment and you're reliving the Bible and you kind of go, I wish I was Lazarus. How cool would that have been? You know, you die and they put you in the tomb and you're there four days, and you know his soul and spirit's up in heaven, and you know his body's down the earth, just getting stinkier by the minute. 
you know, and he hears this voice, hey, Lazarus, Lazarus. And you know, his soul and spirit's put back together, roll the stone away, and ta-da, out hops Lazarus. How cool would that be? It'd be cool to see, but can you imagine the experience? Well, every person, every person is going to have a Lazarus experience because Jesus says, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tomb will hear his voice, my voice, Jesus' voice, and come out. So there's going to be a resurrection for everybody, but the resurrection will not be the same. And that's the important part. He goes on and says this. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So even though everyone's going to have a Lazarus experience, they're going to hear his voice and come out, every person will be resurrected. It's not the same. One, the group will be resurrected to eternal life. And two, the other group will be resurrected for judgment. Now, this don't, don't get lost in the fact where he says those who have done good and those who have done evil. You know, those are indicators, not qualifiers. Okay? We, we lose this. I mean, you do understand that as a believer, you should look and act differently. I mean, grace, grace does not exclude holiness. Grace does not exclude holiness. Okay? So, so we, these are indicators that these people who have done good are indicators of something that's happened in their life. We would call it salvation. We would call it a, a meeting with Jesus Christ, okay, turning from sin and trusting and believing. But then there's this other group who they've done evil who have never done that, who have not done that, okay? But these two resurrections are happening. Now, now someone, you may be on the radio because you're still there, and, and you may be in this audience today, and you're going and saying this. I don't believe that. I know we're in church, so most of us wouldn't do that. But there might be someone here in the recesses of their heart would go, you know, that's really, really, really hard to believe. I'm just not sure I believe that. And if you're here today and someone invited you out to lunch and said, if you'll go to church with me, I'll buy your lunch and you're here and you're not a believer and you're going, see, that's why I don't believe this God stuff. It's just too crazy. It's too crazy. Well, here's the news. <laughs> well, two pieces of news. One is that doesn't change a thing. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Truth does not, contrary to society, truth does not count on what you believe to be true. Truth is what truth is. Truth is what truth is. And the Bible has proven itself through millennia to be the living word and true word of God. And Jesus says there is something after death. There is a resurrection. And it's one to life if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Or one to judgment if you fail to do that. It's like if a cop. You know, you're driving down the highway, you know, and you're doing 70 and a 55, you know, and he pulls you over, you know, and so you just you just say to the policeman, I don't believe I was speeding. You know, and he's going to go, oh, well, that changes everything. Excuse me for holding you up from your life. I'll just let you go because you don't believe you were speeding. Does, does that change the fact that you were? Do you think the cop is going to go, oh, no, no. In fact, you could say, I don't even believe you're a police officer. You may have bought that car down at the auction. And, you know, they sell those uniforms. Oh, you got me. You got me. No. He's going to say, just a minute, please. And he's going to write you a ticket. Doesn't matter what you believe. You, you may think he's being unfair. You may believe he's being unfair. 
You may believe lots of things, but you know what? It doesn't change the truth. You are speeding, and it's time to pay the cost. So, so here it is with Jesus. There's going to be a resurrection, all right? There are going to be two resurrections. Everyone will have a Lazarus experience, and the good will be resurrected to eternal life, and the evil to judgment. That's what he says. That's what he says. The third thing is this, and it's something you really need to pay attention to. I, I think I probably shocked some people last Sunday night because we spent a chunk of time with the Sunday night crowd, okay? I mean, those are the guys that, like, come back in the evening, okay? And we really talked about being sure you're saved, being sure you're saved. Well, the third thing you need to know before you go is your eternal destiny is decided in this life. Now, there's no purgatory there's no buying you out of purgatory. Your mom and dad give extra money to the church, you know, and, and, and buy your soul out. You know, there's none of that. Whatever you're going to do to determine your, your eternal destiny, you do it now and you do it here. The age of grace is now, but after the last heartbeat and the last breath, it's over. It's decided. It's decided. So you, how about that? You get determined where you're going to spend eternity. And it all depends on... What you do with Jesus Christ. I love, you know, I don't ever get tired of talking about this. <laughs> we say you know because you talk about it every week. You know, I never get tired of this, the idea and the thought of this cross and this grace thing. Because I guess because, and I mean this, I, I'm just, I never mastered the, the perfection thing. I, I, my staff will tell you I'm a perfectionist, you know. I don't like misspelled words in the bulletin, things like that, you know. Don't like those things, you know. But it's funny, for a guy who's a perfectionist, I'd be in deep weeds because I'm not. I know I'm not perfect. And that's why I'm such a fan of grace. Because, because I was not perfect. The one who was perfect paid the price for my sin. I find that pretty incredible. And, and not only that, he, he endured the full punishment for my sin on the cross when the wrath of God was dumped on him in full force. And then, and then he, he decided he would defeat death. On the third day, he resurrected and came back to life. The dead body breathed again. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. So we can determine where we're going to spend eternity. And we, for reference, i got Luke chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, and here's what Jesus said. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me, and let me, let me just kind of put some meat on that, um, everyone who confesses and believes. You know, Paul wrote in Romans and said, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts, that he rose from the dead, we will be saved. If we'll confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And then he goes on and says in verse number 10, verse 13, he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. So, so Jesus said, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. And in case you want a little more meat on that, he says over in Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, um, I will acknowledge him before the Father. Before the Father. So Jesus is saying, if you'll confess and believe in me, okay, I will confess you before the Father. But then he says this, but the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So it's huge. We, we determine. And it's so cool because it's not how rich you are or what skin color or what economic status, how religious, how good, how bad, long list, short list, none of that matters. It's putting your faith and trust in the one who died on the cross. Turning from your sin and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I preached this not too long ago, uh, John chapter 3, verse 18. Because it really, you know, I, I think I shocked you that day. I tried to, I tried to shock factor 
of trying to help you understand that, that really it's not even your sin that will send you to hell. It's your lack of faith in Jesus. Because here's what Jesus said in 3.18. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed the name of the only Son of God. So your termination of your destiny is what you do with Jesus. Not how religious, not how much you give, not how much you serve. It's what you do with Jesus Christ. The one who believes in Jesus and puts their faith in him is saved. The ones who don't, aren't. God said that. I didn't. So you really need to sell this issue down before you go. You know, the time, the time to settle it is now, not when you think you're going to die, because guess what? We don't know. We don't know. Have, how many of y'all had instances where you realize your age? Maggie, have you ever had those moments when you, you realize you're older, you know? Well, every once in a while, I'll say something thinking you're going to get it, especially students. I throw something out like, yeah, like you were alive in the 80s. You know, guess what? You weren't, were you? You, you weren't even a twinkle in your daddy's eye, okay? All right? But, but one of the commercials that's just as fresh to me that came out in the 1980s was for the American Express card. And actually, they had a couple, but the one that I quote still to this day is American Express. Don't leave home without it. Don't leave home without it. And the other little phrase they gave out was, they, and they, I watched the commercial, okay, and it said, there's one thing different about our car. And you look at it, and the word member shows up. <laughs> you remember that? You had to pay to get one. You paid them interest, and then you paid to have one of them, all right? And then they said these words, membership has its privileges. Membership has its privileges. Well, here's the deal, okay? I want you to understand for certain, all right? First off this, membership has its privileges. When you're a member of the family of God, you've got privileges. Yeah, yeah, you got, you got, you got authority, you got power, you got forgiveness, you got eternal life. Membership has its privileges, and don't leave home without Jesus. Do not let death slip on you. And bad news is you don't know when it's coming. Don't let eternity slip up on you because you don't know when it's coming. Don't face it without Jesus Christ. All right, three things you need to know. Now, quickly, let's talk about the believer's big question. And this is a wonderful common scripture that we have to include when we're preaching the Baptist faith and message and we're talking about end times. This is just one of the scriptures you have to include. And it's a wonderful scripture, and I hope it will encourage you. And if we need to end with this scripture, that would be just fine. That would be just fine. All right? So what is the believer's big question? Have you ever pondered that? If you could ask God like, like a question about eternity, you know? Well, the church at Thessalonica decided to ask Paul a couple of questions. And here was their concern. The concern was that people die. Not just people die, Christians die. Okay? And so they had this question, because remember now, this is all new. They didn't have this. They didn't have the Word of God. Okay? So they didn't, they didn't know all that was going on here. And so that's how come we got the epistles that Paul wrote, these letters. Okay? So, so they say, so Paul, you know, we've had some people, you know, like Grandma and Papa. And I had a son or I had a daughter. Um, uh, you know, what happens to them? If, if they're under grace, you know, what happens to people who die under grace? We don't know. So Paul writes this in such an encouraging scripture for those of us who are alive today. 
Let's take a look at it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. He says this. Now, I like this. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed. Okay? By the way, that's why God gave us this. Well, this, that's one of the reasons why God gave us this. Okay? You know, have you heard the answer man? This is the answer book. Now, I'm telling you, listen to me. I, I've been mentioned several times. It's just important that we become students of the Word of God. Because so many of the questions that we have about life and, frankly, about God, they're here. They're here. But in order, you know, you could try putting it under your pillow and sleep on it, but that doesn't work. But if you'll study and read the Word of God, it's going to answer so many of the questions that you have about life, about eternity, uh, decisions to make, you know, what to do with your marriage and your finances, all those things. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing that God's given us, this wonderful gift, the Word of God. So he says to the, to the church at Thessalonica, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. He says, now, I want you to be uninformed concerning those who are asleep. Now, personally, can I be honest? I wish he'd used a different word. Okay, because that's just kind of a little bit confusing. All right? But now Jesus used the word. If you remember when Lazarus, if you're a Bible person, you know when, G, when Lazarus was in the grave, okay, and he was not there yet, and he told, he told the guys, our friend, our brother Lazarus, King James, he sleepeth. He sleepeth. Okay? And we must go awaken him. So we understand that when Paul says here that concerning those who are asleep, He's not talking about physical sleep. It's a metaphor for death. It's a metaphor for death. So when he says those are asleep, he's saying that. Now, now I want you to understand this because it's important. I want you to know with certainty that if your loved one died in Christ, or was a believer in Jesus Christ, and they died, I want you to know for certainty they're not out at Sunset Cemetery. The body is, but they are not. You need to know that. You need to rest that. You know, there's no such thing in the Bible as soul sleep. As soul sleep. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, he says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So as soon as the last heartbeat, the last breath comes, we're going to take your body to the cemetery, but with the last heartbeat and the last breath, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are in the presence of Jesus Christ. I never thought about this. I thought it was really good. Um, Wearsby said, the body sleeps, but the soul does not. The body sleeps, but the soul does not. In fact, listen to this. Listen to this. He pointed out, James chapter 2, verse 6, gives, or 26, gives us a great definition of death. Here's what James writes, the half-brother of Jesus. In James 2, 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead. That is a great description of physical death. What does it mean to be physically dead? When the spirit leaves the body, that is physical death. All right? So, so Paul says, I, I want you to know about the ones who are asleep, okay, who have died. Now watch. This is good. Don't miss this. Don't gloss over it. So that you will not grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Man, the Christian doesn't have to grieve like non-Christians. When we lose a loved one in Christ, we grieve differently. Because it is not goodbye, it is I'll see you later. Come on, amen? I mean, that is so huge. Some of you are facing right now, you know, a, a grandmother, a grandfather, a son, or a daughter, who if you have lost, and you know they were in Christ. 
And you had the promise of God to see them again. We grieve? Yes, we grieve. In fact, I'll just warn you right now, the deeper your love for that person, the greater your grief. We grieve, but we don't grieve like people with no hope. He goes on and says this. For if we believe, or and by the way, you could translate that word if, uh, since, for since we believe, or if we believe, that Jesus died and rose again. Now listen, listen. In the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's important. Why is that important? He can't bring them if he don't have them. He can't bring them if he don't have them. If grandma's asleep out in the grave, he can't bring her with him. Good, solid, biblical proof there, okay? So if we believe Jesus died and rose again, so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And then he gives us this, this like menu of what all this is going to look like, okay? And, and this is so good, so good. Here's what he says. For we say this to you by a word of the Lord. We. Now, why is that important? We. Well, it's all of us, but included Paul. Paul believed that Jesus was coming back, could come back in his time. Paul believed 2,000 years ago that Jesus could come back. If Paul believed it 2,000 years ago, should we believe it now? Absolutely. 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 We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. In other words, there's an order of events, okay? And if we had to be alive when this event takes place, we have to wait in line. Because the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Here's what he says. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So what's going to happen? It goes like this. There's going to be a dissension from heaven, okay, with the soul and spirits. Um, we already talked about that. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a, with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God. Those three things. We don't know if it's three separate. Uh, we don't know if it's one. All we know is it's going to be big and it's going to be noisy, okay? And it's going to be quick. Let me read to you, if I can find my scripture sheet here. Let me read to you uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 52. And it parallels this. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Watch this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. In other words, we're not all going to die. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Someone asked me if I'd Google that. I Googled it. I've been on Google a lot this week. Okay, so we don't know. We know this. A twinkle is faster than a blink. Okay? It takes one half second, actually a little bit less. It takes a little bit less than one half second for a normal blink. So, like that. Okay? Now, a twinkle is like a zillion times faster than that. So, so when this happens, it's going to be fast. There's going to be a shout. There's going to be a voice of the archangel. There's going to be a trumpet sound. It's fast. It's fast. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. 
That's the agenda. That's the agenda. Jesus Christ is coming back, and the dead in Christ shall be raised, and we who are alive shall be caught up with them. Now, keep it in mind. Keep in mind. Wait, Dwayne. You said they are with him. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. We got a body. We got a body. So, so God's going to take that buried body out there of grandmother or grandfather or whoever it might be, if they're believers in Christ, and he is going to resurrect that body brand new and perfect. And that new body will be now that soul and spirit, and sh- they're gone. And then if we're alive, if we're here and alive, sh- we're gone too. All happening in less than half a second. And you go... You know, Dwayne, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but that sounds a little bit strange to me. Yeah, I know, isn't it? It's really crazy. You know, but here's the deal. See, the God we serve is the king of the world. May I read it to you again from last week, just in case you forgot? See, the reason that sounds almost impossible is because of this. I try to fit you in the walls inside my mind. It sounds impossible because we got God inside the parameters of my mind. I try to keep you safely in between the lines. I mean, if I tell people I believe that, you know, Jesus is coming back and dead people are going to get up and I'm going to zap them, they're going to think I'm nuts. I'm going to share that with my boss. I try to put you in the box that I've designed. I try to pull you down so we can see eye to eye. When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I try to take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world. How can I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? Impossible? Nothing's impossible with God. See, if we could really get a glimpse of it, Our destiny for hell was an impossible, hopeless thing to change. And God steps in through His Son, Jesus Christ, and changes it all. And I promise you this. If God, before the foundation of the world, can have a plan where people like you and I could be in relationship with Him, could have our sins forgiven, and come to relationship with Holy God, He can pull off a resurrection of dead bodies. He can arrange for His Son to come back, and with less than a half a second, and we're gone. I think it's still incredible that Marvel Studios paralleled that. Paralleled that. If the movie studios can come up with that idea, God can come up with the truth. God can come up with the truth. He's coming back, folks. He's coming back. The deal is, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. The first step of preparation, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Turning from your sin, turning from your sin, and choosing to follow Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. And the second thing is living as if you're going somewhere. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of pack when I go somewhere. You know, I, I get a suitcase out and I put stuff in the bags and get ready to go. Well, we can be ready to go, get ready to go right now for Jesus Christ. Living for Him. Loving Him. Serving Him. Telling others where you're going. I love it. I love it. I'll get a phone call and somebody will say, so what's going on? Da, 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 da. So where's Judy? Oh, she's in London. London? I said, yeah, she's on a mission trip. She's on a mission trip. You know, multiple opportunities to tell people about where you're going and how they can join you. Because he is, amen, the king of the world. Would you bow your heads, please?
I've often said this, and I'll say it again. You know, I think it was Luke who said, if, if a library was written, if books were written, contained all the works of Jesus, the world itself could not contain all those books. And that's true. That's true. And we could study eschatology for the rest of our lives and not fully understand it. But here's the deal. We can believe. We can believe. We can believe. You know, faith never requires the details. It just calls us to believe. There are three things you need to know before you go. We don't know the time, but we can be eternally ready. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I will not try to make a badness out of you. We'd love to have you at the Dorsville family. You're welcome to come anytime and all the time. But our greatest desire is that we get to introduce you to our best friend, Jesus Christ. And that's what our decision time is all about. My friend Brent is going to be standing down front, and we just love to share with you about Jesus Christ. Nail that down. You, you don't want to face eternity wrong on that one. And let's not get distracted in this world. Let's not be guilty of distracted driving spiritually. Let's keep our mind on our focus on Jesus Christ and why he's left us here and the purpose that we have. So, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for sharing this word, this truth today. I pray, Father, that you will help us now to act. Holy Spirit, we know that doesn't happen in our own volition. It happens by you. If there's someone here today, would you pull them toward the Father, toward the Son, and let them experience the glorious wonders of salvation. And, Father, for us, yes, who would say, you know, the truth is, I'm guilty of distracted driving spiritually, that I've taken my eye off the ball. Bring them back home. Help us to focus 